The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk. Good to be with you uh, on this uh, very chilly uh, Monday today in Joburg, at least. Uh, we're going to start with that lead story about protests taking place uh, across the city of Johannesburg today because we have that uh, one that's taking place on the N12 uh, that's uh, south of uh, Johannesburg near the Slovo Park informal settlement. That's the one that's happening there. But the big focus really is on Riverley around Pennyville, you would have heard in EWN traffic that uh, motorists that are travelling through Pennyville today are facing delays. Uh, That's around Main Reef Road being blocked off with burning tyres. Some of the visuals coming out of there uh, really do show just the frustration of that community. And this is all to do with the ongoing fighting between feuding factions of Zamazamas or illegal miners, whatever you prefer to call them. Several bodies found in the area at the weekend. This has been going on for weeks where residents of Riverley have been very vocal saying every weekend there is this loud shooting taking place. Um, They're coming through the community, two factions of illegal miners with semi-automatic weapons shooting at each other. Now we have a situation where five bodies were found on Sunday. And that very much is indicative of the fact that law enforcement does not have a handle on this situation. There are calls for the army to be deployed. The police are saying that there are investigations underway, that members of the tactical response team and public order policing are monitoring the area. But we're going to speak to our reporter in a short while to find out what the situation is like there. He did send us some audio of one of the residents of Riverley. Have a listen to what she has to say. Ms. Davis, how old are you? I'm 64. Tell me about the issue here that the community are having. It's every weekend, but Saturday night it was worse. And on Tuesday night, they shot one of the community members here. Coming from work, they killed him here on the corner. Yeah. And Saturday night it was worse. It feels like it's in your house. And they even jump over our walls with the guns. My son is a disability. He's so traumatized. He's still in bed now. You don't want to stand up, really. It feels like it. You know, three o'clock in the morning they wake you up with this bullet, and they start early. They don't start late. And I believe the people with the cameras on their houses. They said it's a bus and a kumbi. They come and drop those guys here with the with the blankets. Yeah. And you have to see. It's not five people that died. It's over twenty people that died because you have to see here. It's on my phone how the people was laying here, and even down here, here was worse, worse. Really? It's terrible the way we're living here with those people. No, I know. I spoke to a couple of the other guys yeah. on the other side. They're saying that they want the army to come out and yeah. shoot to kill. Because we call the cops, the cops don't come. Even your your, your, your security, you press the, the panic buttons, they are in your yard. They don't come. They're all scared to come. Now, what must you do? In your own house, you must lay on the floor. I mean, it's wrong. And like me, I have a disability son in the house. He's still sleeping. He don't want to stand up. He screamed, Mommy, they're going to shoot me. They're going to kill me. Right? And my husband passed away. It's only me and my son living here. Really? And it feels like it's in your house. Saturday morning, about 3 o'clock, it was still shooting. They were still shooting. And it was like it's in your house. Huh? And my neighbor's window was broken. Yes, yeah, she's there. There's a police station. Huh? They can hear. Because my sister in Newlands can hear the shooting. 
Because then she calls me and says to me, yeah, she calls me and says to me, are they shooting there by you people like that? I said, yes, even coronation can hear. If I can shoot, put my phone on now, you can hear how they're shooting. Really? And this is not the only people they find dead playing here. You must see, yeah, yeah, and down here, well, even here. It was, it, it's, a, it's a war zone in the street, especially here on the corner. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible. My neighbor's window is unbroken and a son just came out of hospital. It's his room on Saturday. Really? Really? Most of the time it starts Friday, né? but Saturday they started early. They started early because I was told by my neighbor to fix my phone and I said to her I wanted to go. I was just in the house and then they started. How frightening is that, listening to that residents of Rivoli and what they have to endure? Imagine living like that every weekend where you're worried that the bullets are going to come flying through, uh, a resident being killed on his way home from work, and the police clearly do not have a handle on this situation. Oren Singh, EWN reporter, sent us that audio. He joins us now. Uh, Oren, that's, that's very powerful, that's, that description of what is happening. Uh, the, the residents must be really fed up. They want the army to, to get involved here. Yes, Mandy, and we're currently on Main Reef Street where there's, uh, there was a bit of a tense standoff between the residents and members of police, public order police, have been deployed to the area to clean up the road and try and free up and the traffic flow here. But I think the, the main sentiment here uh, coming out from community members, Mandy, is that there is an informal settlement adjacent to Main Reef Street. And that's the Zamampilo informal settlements. Now, the community members are alleging that majority of the people that live within this informal settlement are foreign nationals. They say about 85%. Uh, we haven't seen anything or we haven't been able to corroborate that information. But they claim that a lot of the people uh, living there are foreign nationals and are involved in illegal mining. Now, on the opposite side of that road, um, or, or Main Reef Street, on the opposite side of the Zamampilo informal settlement, is an open field where uh, we understand there is a shaft there, and that's where the four bodies of these illegal miners were found on Saturday. But uh, the residents are living in fear. They, they claim that there's continuous uh, gunfire in this area, and it's become an utter war zone. And now just down the road, about a kilometer from where we're stationed, is a police station. Um, but the police do not have the manpower nor the gunpower to fight these Zamazamas who are heavily armed. A lot of the community members say that they're not carrying pistols. These are men who are carrying AK-47s, R1 rifles. And so the community are really fighting a losing battle here to an extent now where it's claimed one person's life and they're really living in fear. Oren, thank you very much uh, for bringing us that report and that audio as well. Oren Singh, EWN reporter, uh, who is in Riverley for us. Well, let's get a sense of what's happening with that protest. Tolani Fikla is the JMPD spokesperson joining us now. Tolani, good afternoon to you. Thank you for, for making time to speak to us today. Uh, I, I'm only going to uh, limit my questions to the actual protest, not the, uh, the shootings and the deaths, because I imagine that is a matter for the police, not the JMPD. So what can you tell us about this protest that's underway today and the traffic that's being disrupted. Uh, thank you for this opportunity and let me greet uh, the listeners. Uh, we can say that uh, Main Reef Road and uh, at the intersection of Commando New Canada Road, that remains uh, blocked off uh, to traffic. And then there's also closures on the Main Reef Road and Avon Street and at Nazareth Road and Jackskate Drive. The situation was uh, a bit tense uh, earlier this morning uh, when these protests uh, did start, uh, but officers have been deployed. Uh, it has calmed down a bit, 
but uh, roads still remain closed off. And we're just uh, urging motorists to take extra caution. I know there were heavy delays, especially in the peak hour uh, period in this morning as motorists had to divert. Traffic is heavy coming from Soweto using New Canada Road and also coming up from Port as well as Mertres had to divert. So at this present moment, Mertres can use either Albertina Susulu Road or Ndekas Road or also Soweto Highway as alternative routes to avoid those closures. And is the JMPD working with uh, the, the police that have been deployed to that area? The police are saying that the public order policing are there, the tactical response team as well. Mm-hmm. So are, are you speaking to them? Uh, yes, we are working closely with them, uh, but mostly since they do have their public order uh, policing there, uh, we're just assisting with uh, managing the, the traffic and especially with the congestion that we did see this morning. Kolani, thank you very much. Uh, Kolani Fichler, the JMPD spokesperson, talking to us there about that situation in in Riverley. So there is a protest underway around Main Reef Road near Rodeport. Uh, residents of Riverley barricading the roads with rocks and burning tyres. That's one part of the story. The real story here is what's actually going on in Riverley, where people are being gunned down, um, and I'm talking here about the illegal miners, but also the residents of Riverley who are living in fear. Uh, apparently up to 20 people being shot. Uh, videos being circulated showing armed men moving through the suburb to the sound of continuous automatic gunfire. Reports saying that the gang um, has left the area all over the weekend, left the area with bodies wrapped in blankets. This is extremely concerning. Do you call the army in? Are the police adequately uh, prepared to deal with this? Are they simply too scared that they're not responding to this. It is going on weekend after weekend, so police cannot tell us that they have the situation under control. Hi, I'm in the You know what? Um, I told them even first, the problem is that the, this Amazama with the police or with our government, they are related. It's like the taxi. They're related with our government. If they taxi, they strike, they're going to block the road. They're going to block the road. No one is going to tell them. Same like Zamazama, these people. I don't know why our government they are too slow to just deal with them. They know their friends, they know each other. Hi, Mendy. How is it that we can have thugs, not even legal citizens from another country, come in here and wreak havoc right under our government's noses, under law, laws and securities' noses? Has this government got no self-respect at all? I mean, this is, embar- this is beyond embarrassing. I mean, these are thugs. And yet they cannot even handle that. What happens when we get invaded by something far worse? How are they going to handle it? This is a disgrace, man. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. Uh, so from Riverley, let's go now to the situation around the Slovo Park informal settlement in the south of Joburg. Uh, residents there blocking the N12 in protest against a stalled informal settlement upgrading process. Seven years ago, they won a case against the city of Joburg. A court case doesn't seem as though anything has happened. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, is there for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Tell us why exactly this community is protesting. Well, Mandy, good afternoon. Yes, you are right, Mandy. They say they feel neglected by the government saying that the city of Joburg has been promising them for quite some years now 
to provide them with access to running tap water. They are also calling for uh, the government to do away with pitlerine toilets here uh, at the area. Mandy, uh, you'll forgive me. I'm just trying to catch my breath as uh, a tear gas strongly lingers in the air. Mandy, it is indeed a very violent protest. Yeah, I can confirm that uh, uh, the tensions haven't died down at the moment. I'm not sure if you can hear it in the background, but police are firing rubber bullets at the residents who are also throwing uh, rocks back at the aggrieved uh, uh, student uh, uh, community uh, members. Uh. So it's quite of a tense uh, day here at Slover Park, Mandy. So as long as uh, you're you're in a position of safety there, Alpha, and you're you're away from the rubber bullets, um, that's of the course. most important thing. Um, so so the situation obviously tense at the moment. Um, have you been able to speak to any community members there about why they've decided to do this? It is seven years since this court case. Well, yes, I did speak to a number of community members, Mandy, and they are saying that ever since they started living here 30 years ago after the dawn of democracy, uh, the government has basically neglected them. They haven't been looking like they want to address the challenges that they face. They don't want to upgrade their area, and that is why they are protesting. They are saying that uh, a government had promised to, to, to come and start working on their area in June. And now that uh, uh, July is almost over uh, and government hasn't done anything, it's time that they show government that uh, uh, they can't just neglect or ignore their calls. So uh, this protest was spiked by government's failure to meet the deadline that they had agreed upon with the residents or the community members to fix the issues in this area, Mandy. Alpha, thank you very much. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, who's uh, out there um, at this protest, as he says, uh, rubber bullets being fired, uh, also uh, tear gas, and this is uh, around the N12. Uh, and this community, this Joe, uh, the Slover Park informal settlement, are taking to the streets, and we're going to see more and more of this in the run-up to the election, just generally. Uh, and there's a parallel here between what's happening in Riverley, the community there, protesting as well around Main Reef Road, and when no one is listening. When people in authority do not respond, when police do not respond, when you win a court case and nothing happens, that is the only option left to people is to start protesting on the streets and burn tires and, and, and take justice into your own hands. And that's the concern here is that when there is no rule of law, when there is no authority, when communities feel disenfranchised, we are going to see more of this happening. What we really need to see is a response from the police. We need to see a response from, uh, from authorities in the city as well and it does seem to be rudderless at this point the midday report we turn to the courts now two big cases we're following the one is the senzo miyiwa trial the other one is the corruption fraud trial against zandile gumede the former etaquini mayor let's start with the senzo miyiwa trial because a cell phone expert under cross-examination there today nokokanyam tambo ewn reporting court for us nokokanya take us through uh, the cross-examination that we're seeing today of colonel stain who dropped all those bombshells last week Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, correct. We are going through the cross-examination of Colonel Stain. We've just wrapped up a cross-examination by one of the defense lawyers for accused one and two, Sipo Ramosapili. And his propositions that he's put to Colonel Stain really are the fact that the the fact that a number is registered to someone doesn't necessarily mean calls were made or received by them. Uh, Mandy, just referring to those bombshells that we heard last week, tying uh, some of the accused to each other, as well as some of 
uh, the accused to Kelly Kumalo as well. And so he's essentially saying the fact that it's registered to me doesn't mean that those calls in question now before the court were made or received by me. The second of those propositions that he's made, Mandy, is that just because there were calls again, it doesn't mean that a crime was committed unless you're able to produce recordings or a copy of any of the texts that were exchanged um, that, to the effect uh, that a crime is being commissioned. Uh, and of course, we have none of that at the moment in terms of the recordings. No, no recordings of the phone calls um, have been admitted to court. And I, I, at, the, at the moment, it doesn't appear that we, we are going to have them anytime soon. Uh, and so, in, in essence, that's how Sidiparam uh, Sapili has mm. um, you know, framed his questioning in, in a sense to uh, dismiss that his uh, clients, accused one and two, uh, could have been linked to the commissioning of the crime. And then we've also heard about uh, the fact that no 911 calls, or rather no emergency calls, were made by anyone in the house, either to police or any other emergency um, uh, phones. Zandi Kumalo previously admitted to that, Mandy, uh, last week in her testimony, that she was too frantic, in fact, to make any calls to police. But it's also interesting now that we're hearing that no one else, including Zandi Kumalo, her mother, Tumelo Mangala, also made any attempts uh, to, to, to call the police. And what we're now sitting with, Mandy, is uh, the defense lawyer for accused number three, Charles Mnisi, who is continuing with his cross-examination of uh, Colonel Staines. Nokukanya, thank you very much. And Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter, with the latest on the Senzo Miwa trial, was that uh, police expert is under cross-examination. Well, let's go now to the Zandile Gumere trial, because there have been developments there as well. The fact that the witnesses, uh, there were concerns for their safety. Nkantla Mabaso, EWN KZN reporter there for us. Nkantla, good afternoon to you. I understand that there have been developments around media coverage of that trial today. Indeed, indeed, Mandy, a very good morning to you. I mean, afternoon to you and our listeners. Mandy, you'd recall that even for the media to be able to cover this particular case, Sanet had to send its lawyers to court to argue and warn that. But now, journalists have been informed by Judge Shannon Dalton in this particular matter that phones, laptops, and microphones, including cameras, won't be allowed inside this courtroom because of the safety of, wit- of witnesses. You'd recall that witnesses raised concerns about their safety after an attempt on one of the witnesses uh, a week ago. So we are told now that those gadgets are not allowed. In fact, most of our colleagues only have a diary and pen inside court. Only the legal uh, representatives uh, are allowed to have their laptops inside. But tell you what's happening in court. Uh, the state is leading evidence from a retired former municipal um, uh, head of the extension uh, was uh, in, uh, in charge of the solid waste uh, uh, department. You recall that this corruption criteria and fraud charges are linked to the solid waste tender worth over 320 million. So the head of uh, that, the former head of that department is currently in court leading evidence. But as it stands, the only thing that he's told the court mm-hmm. is how he led that department and some of the functions of the department, which is to clean the townships. We are expecting the state to need more evidence from him, of course, later followed by closing the meeting. But as it stands, he's just taken to the stand introducing okay. himself. But of course, the media is not allowed to name him or any other witness that will take to the stand. And thank you very much. And Kratla Mabaso, EWN KZN reporter, giving us an update there on the Zandile Gomere trial. So steps being taken there to protect witnesses. There were concerns around the safety of the witnesses as uh, a bullet was shot at the house of one of the witnesses. So they did then do an assessment on whether or not the witnesses require witness protection. And that's why these measures have now been taken, restricting the coverage by the media. The Midday Report.
So you may have seen over the weekend, some of you may have gone to Ellis Park, uh, you may have gone to the Cape Town International Convention Centre to watch live sport, but there was another stadium that was certainly attracting a lot of attention, and that's because the EFF held their 10th anniversary celebrations at the FNB Stadium in Soweto, packed to capacity. The stadium was so full, the party had to ask those who were uh, thinking of still coming to stay at home and watch on television. So that, that's what, 95,000 people that the EFF managed to get into FNB. One of the videos that has gone viral is that of Julius Malema, the commander-in-chief, singing uh, Kill the Boer. And the DA has now responded to that. So some breaking news for you. DA leader John Steenhuizen has just announced that the party will file charges against the EFF leader Julius Malema and the ANC with the United Nations Human Rights Council. This is in response to Malema chanting that controversial kill the boer, kill the farmer at FNB Stadium on Saturday. Let's have a listen to what John Steenhuizen has just said. We are filing charges against both Julius Malema and the ANC government at the United Nations Human Rights Council. The first element of our United Nations case will focus on Malema's repeated incitement of ethnic violence. The second element will charge the ANC national government before the United Nations over its years-long failure to take action against their one-time protege, even as brutal farm murders continue to escalate in the wake of Malema's demagoguery. The charge will be laid in terms of Malema's violation of at least three key UN charters. The first is the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. So that's John Sienhazen speaking a short while ago, saying that the DA is filing charges against the EFF leader, Julius Malema, and the ANC government with the United Nations Human Rights Council over the kill the boer, kill the farmer comments. Remember, of course, the Human Rights Commission has already made a finding on this. They found that this is not hate speech. That's significant. Tilly Madia, uh, EWN politics editor, associate politics editor, joining us in studio. You spent the whole weekend with, uh, with the, with the fighters. With the yes. fighters, yes. Um, so you've also just uh, given them a call, asked them to respond to John. What are they saying? Yeah, Mandy, verbatim, one sentence verbatim. really verbatim. He can go to hell. Simply put, by Sinawa Tambo, the EFF's national spokesperson, saying, don't forget, the court has ruled in our favor. What we did is not problematic. And so John can go to hell. Then I said to him, you do realize he's also called on the president to denounce what the EFF is saying. And the ANC said, I wouldn't be surprised. The ANC and the DA from where we stand is one thing. So, of course, he will. I don't know if you will. But yeah. uh, so, so before we get into the EFF and, and what happened this weekend, I think this is very, we're in, we're in an, an electioneering space mm. now. We're going into an election in 2024. The DA also looking towards the, um, the FF Plus's support base in order to grow here, I imagine. Absolutely. I listened to John's address. He's also doing something very strange, Mandy, very quickly. He doesn't necessarily hold press briefings. He announces and he leaves. Yeah, yeah, so you, but he addresses the nation. He addresses the nation, like the president, who doesn't want to be interrogated. Similarly, the leader of the main opposition is quite the same, uh, is, is putting on a, a similar show. But in terms of the message, and I think this, the, the need to speak Afrikaans is to appeal to spe- ooh, specific electorate, a constituency. In a long weekend with the parties, <laughs> eh? <laughs> 
<laughs> the need to speak Afrikaans. And the amount of times he mentioned the issue of farm murders. Now, we know that the stats are not what we've been told. He even spoke about it almost as a genocide and invoked issues around the killing, the assassination of Chris Hani. So all of those, those things, those words and the way the messaging is being tailored is to stoke fear in a particular constituency because they are trying to reach out to a particular constituency. And I think as we get closer and closer to the elections, People need to be mindful of what politicians across the board are saying to you. A lot of the messaging that you're getting is tailor-made to get you to go to the polls and to vote for them. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your weekend with the, the EFF. I think there have been some very powerful images, particularly of Julius Malema mm. um, standing on the platform, confetti raining around him. <laughs> um, but, it, but in all seriousness, it's about the optics, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's been very carefully crafted, very carefully thought out. The ANC cuts cake. And what the EFF has done here is, is pretty spectacular. What does it tell us about the potential of the EFF, the support base of, of the EFF going into the next election? I think Julius Malema never not understands optics. He's fully aware of the fact that what you're trying to do at the moment is reach out to a younger generation. The understanding is that young people feel completely disheartened completely removed from the idea of politics. So I do think that you try to make it sexy, if you may. You try and present something that is very much like pop culture. I think Mahani kept referring to it as a rock star performance. People speaking about the halftime show uh, at, at the, at the um, uh, NFL. So he understands the importance of trying to woo younger people, Mandy. Whether or not what's been done here will always translate to the ballot. I always question because when it comes to Julius Malema, there's always been a trust deficit and I don't think that that goes away. But I do think that you need to find different ways to appeal to younger people. People like Mbali Ntulu is no longer in that political space, but he's doing civic education, is also leaning on artists and the likes to try and woo young people back into the political space. So Malema fully understands that we'll do the work to put out the picture and the image. What was funny to me is that people were comparing, I don't know if you saw when he was lifted from the platform to Gru from um, the Minions. <laughs> like a dictator image. It was really funny. But he understands the importance of trying to put himself as a leader because that is what he's gunning, get, get, um, gunning for come 2024. Tidi, as always, thank you very much for your analysis. So Tidi Madia, uh, EWN's politics editor, joining us there. She spent the weekend with uh, the fighters as there were various events taking place uh, to mark that 10th birthday celebration. And the developing story there, the DA leader John Steenhuizen announcing that the party is going to file charges against Julius Malema and against the, UN, the, against the ANC government with the United Nations Human Rights Council in response to Malema chanting that kill the Boer, kill the farmer. Remember, the Human Rights Commission has made a finding on this already, declaring it's not hate speech. The EFF's response to that, Sinawa Tambo saying, John Stienhausen can go to hell. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener on 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. Well, from political storms to storms of a different kind, we've seen a cold front hitting the country uh, over the past couple of days. In the Eastern Cape, particularly hard hit gale force winds, persistent rain uh, starting in the early hours of Saturday morning. Two people killed in the Eastern Cape. Uh, we'll get an update on, on that shortly. But let's uh, check in with the SA Weather Service, with Elizabeth Fullion, an SA Weather Service forecaster, to get a sense of where we are at the moment. Elizabeth, good afternoon to you. Thank you for, for your time uh this this cold front how long is it going to stick around for and can we expect more weather like this 
Andy, and thank you so much for having me on your show once again. So, yeah, the conference has moved over the country and affected the country, as you rightly said. Eastern Cape, a lot of damage there with regards to the winds. Here in Gauteng, we've had freezing cold temperatures. This morning, you would have felt it was quite icy outside. So this cold front has moved away. So that's the good news. Still got some rain lingering in the mother city. So Cape Town has still got some rain lingering around today. By tomorrow, it's going to be sunny, though, in Cape Town. So sunny conditions. Temperatures are warming up a little bit to about 16 degrees as a maximum. Wednesday will be quite nice at a high of 20. And that's going to continue for the rest of the week. So not real much, really much happening down there in the Cape. So good news there. Up here in Gauteng, it's still going to be sunny. However, our temperatures aren't really recovering, unfortunately. So we're still seeing these cold temperatures lingering for Gauteng. We're looking at high teens, mid to high teens for the rest of the week. But it will be sunny. So out in the sun, outdoors, you're going to see it quite pleasant. But then early morning, still in single digits with afternoons, high teens. And then is that it for, for the winter? Are we going to slowly slide into summer now or can we expect a, a couple more cold fronts? You know, we're only at the end of July. So August, even September could see those one or two cold fronts move through. But definitely August, I would still expect another front or two to affect us. And then I did see a report saying that we're going to have a particularly hot summer. Uh, are you able to, to tell us about that or is it too early? early to give too much of a guarantee yet. So let's see, maybe in the next month or two, we'll have a better idea of what the summer is looking like. Elizabeth, as always, thank you so much. Elizabeth Fulion, SA Weather Service Forecaster, speaking to us there, giving us a, a sense of what's going on with the weather and the cold front. As she mentioned, and as I mentioned as well, uh, two people were killed in the Eastern Cape. A woman died in Potsdam Village after a ward and a roof collapsed uh, while she was sleeping. And then another man also died when a tree collapsed uh, on his shack. Let's speak to Sam Nguenya now, who is the Buffalo City Metro spokesperson. Sam, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. How, how much damage did we see in the Eastern Cape as a result of this bad weather? Well, it's not as huge as the lives that we cannot um, take back. We've lost two people. Today, the MEC and the mayor were visiting those families. Again, we also have over 30 families housed in NU10 Community Hall. In the metro infrastructure-wise, you know, we had almost like uh, half of the town of East London without lights, as well as the township of Tanzania. And on the inland, we had um, water outages that were experienced. This is all due to most of our infrastructure being blown away, as well as being affected. We have cleared the roads, so the trees and everything else that actually fell on top of um, our streets have been cleared, but of course, there's also individual households who've lost uh, in terms of their roofs being blown away or walls collapsed and all sorts of things that are related to such a gale force wind. Uh, and Sam, that uh, death toll, is it, uh, does it remain at two as, you, as far as you know? Yes, we've visited both families. That is confirmed and we've offered our sympathies. And we've also offered our support in as far as assisting with everything that we can be able to do with such a short space of time and, of course, understanding what they're going through. Sam, thank you. Sam and Gwenya, the Buffalo City Metro spokesperson, talking to us there, uh, giving us a sense of uh, the situation in the Eastern Cape where gale force winds, persistent rain led to the death of two people. The Midday Report.
lots of reaction to the conversations we've been having, particularly around the situation in Rivoli. Uh, we just got a heads up that the Minister of Police, General Becky Taylor, will together with the National Commissioner of the SAPS, General Fanny Masimola, visit the Langlachter Police Station to assess the station's response to criminality. The pair will be joined by senior management of the police and operations and intelligence that will take place at 5.30 this afternoon. So uh, I was just saying on air that the response from the police around Rivoli has been wholly inadequate. The fact that we are seeing shootings like this taking place weekend after weekend, that the community there is living in fear, uh, simply just tells us that not enough is being done. So now the Minister of Police, General Becky Kele, the National Police Commissioner, Fanny Masamola, and other senior management are heading to Langlachter Police Station this afternoon to have a look at that station's response. So let's see if that's going to get them anywhere. The Midday Report. Let's go to the city of Tuane now. Last week, we spoke to the mayor of Tuane, Celia Brunk, about uh, the situation with ongoing uh, strikes by SAMU member. SAMU, the South African Municipal Workers Union, has said that they are going to continue uh, with a stay away. They want the city to pay them more. The city simply doesn't have enough money. So now the city of Tuane has obtained a court order interdicting this SAMU strike, and the mayor is back with us again. Uh, Mr. Mayor, good afternoon to you. Thank you for making time to chat us again. Have you been able to implement uh, this this interdict or are we still seeing some members uh, on strike today? So the interdict was obtained late on Friday. We definitely see uh, pockets of that will be in a position to start taking very forceful action as from tomorrow. Um, it's not because we want to push people around or want to bully. Um, it is because we've got an obligation to the public to maintain services. And uh, as with strikes and, and wage negotiations and all these things, there are processes that need to be followed. And if we don't follow those processes, uh, everything um, risks turning to chaos. So uh, the city manager is responsible for enforcing discipline, but we've obtained this interdict. The principle of no work, no pay applies, but also uh, if if there are instances where folks just refuse to work, then disciplinary uh, measures, which might end in dismissal, will be followed. Okay, so um, you, you broke up slightly, as you were saying, what the situation is today. Will you then make an assessment at the end of today and start disciplinary proceedings? Um, and, and, and have you been in conversation with some of the leaders? Are, are, they, are they acknowledging that there is this interdict that they need to get their members back to work? Well, we've had discussions with Samu, but uh, it's very important that, as I said at that particular time, that there are two trade unions in Swane. And the other trade union is Imatu, and uh, if formal discussions are to happen, they must happen with the city manager and the two trade unions. In the meantime, the interdict stands. We're not negotiating about the interdict. And the city is continuing with our exemption application not to pay these salary increases. So, uh, Mandy, uh, I'm sorry if the line broke up, but in essence, yes, um, we will start implementing action in response to work stoppages. Um, under this uh, interdict obtained by the city. Celia, thank you very much. Uh, the mayor of Twane speaking to us there, Celia Brink, about the developments that interdict, uh, that order being granted on Friday, and uh, they are going to start with that process of then suspending people. The South African Municipal Workers Union, they down tools over the non-payment of wage increases. They want more money. The city simply says it doesn't have it.
The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.